Welcome to the Beyond Intuitive Eating Podcast, hosted by me, Beth Basham. I am a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and liberated body coach. I'm also a wife and mama to two amazing little people. With over 20 years of experience, I help women bridge food freedom with optimal health using principles of intuitive eating, foundations of emotional mastery, functional medicine, and neuroscience. This is the space where you get to end the war with your body and discover total confidence and true health from the inside out. The holidays are right around the corner and our exposure to diet talk with friends and family is likely to increase a little bit more over these holiday gatherings and parties that are coming. This time of year is also celebrated with more food that might be viewed as highly delicious, but also labeled as quote unquote bad for health and really just doesn't leave us feeling our best, leaving us to question our ability to listen to our body especially when we overeat those foods. And even if the food itself isn't an issue for you, foods can elicit comments from friends and family that can leave us feeling uncomfortable. Conversations about willpower, what the plan for dieting is after the holidays, or how to be good through the holiday season can all come up. And if you're on the food freedom journey or even contemplating it, You already know this could pose an issue in the upcoming months, and you really want to get through this holiday season without all those anxious feelings at holiday parties or needing to feel those unsolicited comments or diet talk. In this three-part podcast series, I plan to talk you through all of it, how to deal with the triggering foods and the triggering people so you can glide through this season unscathed. So in this very first episode, part one of overcoming triggering food and people, I'm going to explore the triggers themselves, how to identify them, maybe even get out ahead of them, and what you can do to lessen their power. In the following episodes after this one, I'll get more specific and more granular on how to address the food and the people specifically. I'm so glad you're here. Let's go ahead and get started. Let's start with a very common scenario, right? You walk into a relative's house after not seeing your mom and dad and some family and friends for a really, really, really long time, and you're met with these very sharp comments such as, honey, you looked like you've gained some weight since I last see you. Is everything going okay? Or maybe the comments are about someone else. Oh my gosh, did you see your Aunt Jane? She has gotten so huge. She's obviously let herself go. Or the comments might be a little less direct, more subtle. After today, I'm going to have to run 10 miles to burn all these calories. I feel so bad for eating what I just did. Don't you? These holiday foods, oh, they're so terrible. They're so good, but they're so bad for us. Or it might even feel more intrusive with comments like, hey, what are you going to do after the holidays to lose that 10 pounds that most of us gain during this period of time? And here's the reality, right? If you tell them that you're no longer dieting, how are you going to fit into those conversations? What are they going to think of you? 
What do you say in those circumstances when your body's being commented on or other people's bodies are being commented on, or there's just general diet talk? All of these food and body comments can bring up a lot of thoughts and feelings for those of us who are on this journey to healing our relationship to food and body that feel really uncomfortable. And here's the reality. These comments are not intended to cause harm. Our friends and family are just making these comments because that's quote unquote normal in their world. And if you've stepped onto this food and body journey, you are likely already realizing that this normative talk about food and body is no longer acceptable in your world. So you might have been working all year long or the months previous to the holidays working on your relationship to food and body. So you aren't surrounded by these people regularly. And then when you are out of the blue, they say a thing, it can really leave you you feeling upset, discouraged, frustrated, and that's totally okay. If we're to be successful long-term on this journey, we need to learn how to gracefully manage these comments to maintain that inner peace and sanity that we so desire. And another note about all those fancy holiday foods, Around this time of year, there's a lot of quote-unquote off-limit items displayed around corners of homes and parties, filling the plates of your holiday feasts, and these foods are often put on a pedestal because, let's face it, you only get them one time of year. And that can feel really challenging too when you're on this journey. You've been doing quote-unquote so good all year with your intuitive eating, listening to your body, but when you're in the same environment as foods that are you know, relatively offered just this time of year, it can be really challenging to listen to those body cues, especially when we're distracted by all the hustle and bustle. So between food and people, it's not uncommon to really feel defeated, paralyzed even, and look and reach for diet culture solutions such as restricting or binging or even just letting yourself participate in some of these less than satisfying conversations that aren't really fun in the first place. So again, in this episode, I want to explain that it doesn't have to be this way. Because of our conditioning and the way that culture has raised us, we often see food and other comments by people in our life as a threat to our safety and our security living in this human body. Let me explain this further. So in nature, all right, in nature, threats are perceived by our body or an animal's body as a life-threatening response. And it quickly puts us into this survival mode, activating either the fight or flight side of our nervous system or our freeze and fawn response. These two responses are known as the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system responses. And, you know, another way to explain this would be those clammy hands, that rapid heartbeat that you get when you walk into your in-laws home or any other, you know, super dreaded holiday setting. Even the thought, right? Even the thought of an impending confrontation can elicit these physical responses in our body. But here's the thing. Our body doesn't know the difference between a perceived threat, 
something that just happens in our brain, and an actual real threat. Because in a real threat, let's say you're on the interstate and you're driving and somebody in the lane next to you swerves towards your car, you react, right? And then your heartbeat increases. You might feel really uh, tingly in your fingers after the event. And you're really, in, in other words, activated. Your nervous system is activated into a fight or flight nervous system response. This makes sense, right? What we don't always put together is that the same body response can occur in the face of other threats, including those that are just perceived or just brought to us through the words of another person, or in this particular case, food itself. In addition, our nervous system, this beautiful system in our body that keeps us safe and protected, it can be activated before you even walk into the situation because of the thoughts that you're having. Yes, it doesn't take an actual threat like a car swerving into your lane to activate your nervous system. It can happen simply by the thinking that's going through our brain. This is your body's way of protecting you, again, whether it's perceived or real. Your habit brain recognizes this familiar situation in advance, so it knows every time that you walk into your in-law's house, there's going to be an uncomfortable situation about your weight. So it sends out the signal right, to your body, and that's what makes your hands clammy, your heartbeat increase, your feeling of dread in your gut or your core before you even step in the door. This is our body talking to us. It's letting us know, based on previous experiencing, what is happening before we consciously even understand it. But we don't always see it that way. We see it as, oh my gosh, I don't want to go in there. Oh my goodness, I want to run or hide from this situation. Or I'm going to be on my defenses and I'm going to tell so-and-so how I actually feel about these comments she makes about me every single time I see her. So there's those two responses. We want to run from them or hide. And we're never taught to see these body cues as signals from the body that we can actually learn and go from. We also haven't been taught effective ways to change those habitual response patterns that we've likely been following for years or decades. Let's think about this. Can you imagine walking into your in-laws or any other holiday party this season? Hearing some unsolicited comment about your body or someone else's, observing your body's response as information rather than needing to run away or hide? Or can you imagine sitting down in front of a plate of amazingly delicious one time of the year food, maybe it was previously labeled as forbidden, And feeling really empowered at your plate instead of terrified about how these foods might affect your body or your health or how others perceive you and your eating patterns. I imagine if you're like so many of the women that I work with, you're thinking to yourself, yes, 
I am so ready to feel empowered in conversations, to feel empowered with a plate of food that may have otherwise been seen as forbidden in the past. So if that's you, then the first thing that we need to do is look at the definition of triggers themselves. We see triggers in our society, and we use that word probably a little too much, (laughs) but we see triggers as wrong or bad, right? We look at a trigger and we're like, that is a bad thing. And I, again, the body responds to bad things or threats as I need to get rid of them. I either need to fight them or I need to run away from them. So with that considered, what would it look like to start shifting the definition of a trigger themselves? What if instead of seeing triggers as a curse or something bad that's happening to us, we began to look at triggers as actual gifts or blessings in our lives? Because here is the reality, and I know this may sting a little bit because it certainly did for me, but the reaction that we have to the person, the comment, or the food originates within us. It doesn't actually happen inside the person you're talking to or that pumpkin pie in front of you, right? Let's, it's more tangible, I think, to realize and really decide, yeah, okay, my pumpkin pie doesn't have feelings. It's not looking at me, pointing the finger and saying, eat me, eat me, eat me, right? Like that's, <laughs> I mean, maybe in a cartoon, but not in real life. But what I think is a little harder to swallow, maybe it's a bit of a tougher pill, is that those comments that are coming from family members or the diet talk itself is not done intentionally to hurt your feelings, right? It's not, people aren't there to say, oh, I want to hurt my friend's feelings. So I'm going to bring up her weight or I'm going to, you know, bring up diet talk or I'm going to question the foods that she's putting on her plate, right? That's just not the case. Likely they're just in their own world talking about things that are normal to them. And those things might be rooted, unfortunately, in really deep and harmful diet culture beliefs. It doesn't change the fact that it hurts us. I want to really honor the fact that these comments in these moments can feel really, really painful. So I don't want to minimize that here. But what I also want to bring in, and this is a bit of duality, there's a bit of paradox thinking as I describe this, but what if we saw these triggers, these moments when we took offense to a comment as an opportunity to look within about what's happening inside of us that is the threat? And can we use that as a source of growth? This is not always easy. And this requires a lot of self-awareness. It also is helpful to just practice self-awareness around this and how we respond to certain situations that might be seen as a triggering situation, right? We can start simply by just looking at our body's response. Some of the things I explained earlier, you know, the heart rate increasing, the gastrointestinal tract feeling uncomfortable, bloated, painful, you know, the, even the neurons of our brain, the way that we think, our clarity of thought can actually be decreased when we are in a stress response or we're feeling triggered. 
And it can leave us just feeling uncomfortable. Our breath can go abnormal. We get knots in our stomach. Maybe we have to go to the bathroom, right? Maybe we have that brain fog I was talking about. Just the practice of recognizing your personal stress response is a great first step. And then from there, recognizing that it doesn't have to mean anything about us. How many times have you gone through your day and you have a triggering moment, whether it's with food or another person, and you consciously or subconsciously say to yourself, there's something wrong with me for having this response. Or in my world and with my clients, I oftentimes see them feeling triggered by food or conversations with people. And they're like, gosh, why am I not further along? Right. And it almost perpetuates more shame and guilt because they haven't overcome this piece on their food and body journey. But the reality is, and the helpful point here is that it doesn't have to mean anything about you. You inevitably, because you are human, will be triggered, or actually the term I really like better than triggered is activated, but you are triggered or activated in a moment, and you can, through this practice of self-awareness, recognize that, wait, this doesn't have to mean anything about me. This is just, like I mentioned before, information that the body is giving me. This tight knot in my stomach It's a sensation and a feeling that can be, through conscious choice, made to be a neutral reaction. It's information. I oftentimes, in the intuitive eating world or conversations with clients, call this the anthropologist viewpoint, where it's a collection of information. And when we listen to these body cues, these reactions of our bodies to triggers, to activating moments... It doesn't have to mean anything. It's just information. And when we can start to imprint that new narrative, we get the trigger becomes less potent. It actually loses its power because we say, hmm, through this lens of curiosity, I can see that I'm already, before I even step into the door of my in-law's house, I can already feel my heart rate increasing. Isn't that interesting? What thoughts am I thinking? And am I making these thoughts mean something about me on this journey? Am I making it mean something that I'm right or wrong for feeling this way? And this in and of itself can be so powerful. Triggers are simply mirrors. They show us how we're showing up in the world and our response, the way that we we react, I should say, the way that we react to these triggers can be an opportunity for us to see what's going on within and notice where we're making it mean something about us and give us an opportunity to start to neutralize the entire experience. So just think about for just a moment, how do you respond to even the thought of an uncomfortable situation with a family member or the thought of being at a holiday party and being surrounded by a ton of holiday or forbidden foods? Do you immediately go into blame? Do you get into anger, frustration? Maybe you even go into a grief response. There is nothing wrong with any of it, but I want to invite you to consider, hmm, what if the response that I have in my body could be viewed differently. 
What if by practicing self-awareness and recognizing how my body responds to these different triggers, I can actually actively take a step back and become the observer, observer, excuse me, not the observer, the observer of the situation instead of reacting to it. And just practicing this literally as you're listening to this episode can be a really powerful thing. And it is a practice. It doesn't change all the triggers all at once. I am human. I still get activated by certain situations in my life, especially as a mother, my little humans, (laughs) my children know how to push a lot of my buttons. And I would be lying if I told you that I just respond gracefully to every single time they throw a tantrum or every time they say no when I ask them to pick up their room, right? (laughs) This is a practice. You're not meant to learn this information and be perfect at it the first time. But the idea here is to start to shift the narrative around what these triggering events are going to be for you in the holiday season. You don't need to change anybody. You don't need to go to a holiday party that only serves food that you feel safe with if you are able to start changing the the description or the definition of trigger for yourself. Triggers do not have to be a curse. They can actually be a blessing and a doorway into the practice of self-awareness that will liberate you literally from the reactive response to these situations, which is often driven by that nervous system, fight or flight or freeze or fun, and help you live in a breath or moment where you can pause and say, huh, isn't this interesting? My body is really feeling the heat of the comment that my mother-in-law just made about my body. I'm going to choose in this moment to be aware of that, to be aware of the racing heart rate, to be aware of the knot in my stomach and say, this doesn't mean anything about me. And I can choose to respond, not react, but respond to this activation in a way that serves me. All right. So this is going to be the end of this first show or this first part in the series of overcoming triggering food and people. I'm going to end here because in the next episode, I'm going to speak more specifically about how to do this in the moment, especially when it comes to holiday parties and foods. So episode two, I'm going to cover what do you do when you do feel, (laughs) you feel that trepidation and that fear arise when you are confronted with a huge spread of holiday foods, a lot of your favorites, a lot of the things that you have previously or currently see as wrong food or bad food. How do you handle that? And then in the third and final part of this uh, series, I will be discussing those challenging conversations. So those inevitable moments when somebody does make a comment about your body or just participates in diet talk in general, like how do we, how do we navigate those? But I wanted to set things up for you to help you shift how you see triggers in the first place and how you can now get curious about how the body is responding to even the sheer thought of walking into a holiday party or the sheer thought of being in a space where you are surrounded by lots of good food that you may think is bad. 
Okay. So that's just to set up the stage, get you in the right frame of mind. So over the next week before the next episode runs, you can start to identify hmm, what happens to my body when I either have a thought that's perceived as a threat <laughs> or you actually are potentially triggered in the next you know week or so. What happens with your body? How does it respond? What happens to your clarity of thought? What happens to your heart rate? What happens to your hands, your feet, your gut, etc.? And just start to pay attention to that and decide to neutralize it. It doesn't have to mean anything about you. It can simply be viewed through that curious observer lens. Okay, that is it. I hope you all have a wonderful week and I can't wait to come back for the next episode in the series. Thank you so much for listening in today. I am so grateful. If you enjoyed this podcast, I ask that you share with a friend who might also benefit. And if you want even more support on your food and body journey, please check the show notes for information about my free Facebook group and private coaching opportunities. See you next time.